Hello, this is Opera Unbound, a podcast that breaks the barriers between opera singers and the audience. We will cover the process, challenges, stereotypes, and inspirations associated with opera. If you like the content that we're putting out and you'd love to see more, make sure you subscribe to our channel as well as share it with all your friends. What is up, everybody? I'm going to do a solo podcast on something that I am very passionate about, and that is working out. Not because, you know, I want to become this massive bodybuilder or anything, but I've just noticed that when you work out on a consistent basis, you tend to feel better, you got better self-esteem, you got better energy, all that stuff. And so, the nerd that I am, I have a massive opera and classical music playlist on my phone. And so I thought I would share some of my favorite tracks on there, just in case you want to get down to something from 1670 or whatever era of classical music you love while you're sitting there pumping the irons or on the treadmill, getting all your miles in. You got to make sure you work out and you need to do it well. And the way that you do that is you get the music from the classical composers and you go in there and you get shit done. So I'm gonna give you a bunch of things to put on your playlist. This of course is not an exhaustive list. So to start this off, I put them into four categories. We have overtures, arias that are rage arias or in a minor key, and then the opposite of course, so arias in a major key, and then crowd scenes. And how I usually pick my workout playlist music is The tempo is definitely part of it, but also if the music is really lively and if the story is really compelling. And so let's get started with the overtures. The three overtures that I have are really not going to be surprising. They are some of the most famous overtures. They're often done as standalone pieces in symphony concerts. And the three are Le Nozze di Figaro. William Tell and Carmen. Let's start with Le Nozze di Figaro. Already from the start, you have this winding melody line that eventually settles, and then we hear it build and build, and then this big explosion, and it's That kind of is the gist of how this whole entire thing goes. I also love the building at the very end of this which is it's this repetitive, 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 then all of a sudden it's like you get slashed with a machete with this downward line 
And it's so satisfying. And then it just ends that way, of course, like many of these overtures with the, all the chords, the chunk chords, I would call them. I know there's probably a better musical word for that. Rachel probably knows it, but she's not here. So you're going to get my layman's term, chunk chords at the end, the chung, 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 you know, at the end. Up next is the overture from Rossini's William Tell. And like many things in Rossini's writings and compositions, he basically gets some of the hardest music out right in the beginning. And the best way to describe this overture is it doesn't have a ton of musical ideas, but you better have drank enough Red Bull coffee or maybe even done some cocaine in order to keep up with this thing. You'll recognize right from the very beginning, it's just all energy and it's just fast for the strings, fast for the flutes and piccolo and everybody. And then it's just the drums being really loud with cymbals in the back. So it's really hard not to get pumped when you're doing this. I usually listen to this if I'm really struggling in a run and I'm towards the end, this helps push me through. Last but not least, we have La Carmencita, no? Yes, yes. The Overture from Carmen. Now, this one's great at the beginning of your workout because it gives you a lot of energy for just a few minutes and then it kind of dies down to the Torreador theme and then eventually what is the prelude to the very first scene. And so it's just a good one to really get going, but it's not one that you can sit there and stay at a high level the whole time. Up next, we have our Rage Arias, and no Rage Aria list is complete without the Queen of the Night from Magic Flute, Argante's opening aria from Handel's Rinaldo, and of course, Don Pizarro from Beethoven's Fidelio. Hell hath no fury like a woman scorned. We all know this. I'm not sure if that means there's extra intensity when it's your mother, but... In this aria, the queen of the night is Pamina's mother, and she comes to her and basically tries to manipulate the shit out of her. In her aria, 
Der Hölle Rache tocht in meinem Herzen. She basically tells Pamina that she has hell's vengeance boiling within her, and if Zarastra does not feel the pains of death because she's trying to get Pamina to kill him, then she won't be her daughter anymore. So it's like, look, we can either have this lovely, although probably needing therapy, relationship between a mother and a daughter, or, you know, I'll just disown you forever. You'll be abandoned, destroyed, and everyone's gonna hate you, right? So here, and at the very end, this is my favorite part because it's just so big. It's, she's like, here, here, gods of revenge, hear the mother's oath, which is she must kill Zarastro, and if she doesn't, then she is outcast forever. And in this rendition of it, this is Diana Domrau, who in my opinion is the scariest queen of the night I have ever heard. I unfortunately haven't heard her live, but in all of the recordings, it's just the look on her face and the color of her voice is just perfect. And one might even say magical because it's from Titzauberflöte, the magic flute, yeah. Yes, it's so magical. So zauber und so flöten. Next, we have Sibilar Yanguidaletto from Handel's Rinaldo, and this is Argante, who is the king of Jerusalem, and this is his grand entrance. He is really, really upset, and he invokes these mythological beings where he says, the hissing of Electo's serpents and the howling of Sheila seem to, to be all around me and that he has this venomous thing in his heart and it's punishing him with dread. And I really love this aria because it has a great, powerful entrance. The coloratura really shows off how mad he is and especially when you repeat the A section, because this is one of those ABA arias, meaning there's like basically one idea at the beginning there's a separate idea in the middle, and then it returns back to the original idea. But in this period of opera, what they would often do is embellish when they go back to the original A section. And so it's this heightened thing, right? And I love a lot of the ornaments that are out there. This rendition is one of the greats out there especially in this kind of repertoire. This is Gerald Finley, and he just really crushes it, as he's usually doing.
And finally, one of the best ones out there, at least in my opinion for the baritone voice, Ha Welschein Augenblick from Beethoven's Fidelio. In this scene, Don Pizarro, the head of the prisons, is holding Florestan, and in this scene, he gets a note from the minister saying, hey, I'm going to be coming through, want to inspect the prison, make sure everything's on the up and up. And since things are not on the up and up, Pizarro has to make them on the up and up. So I guess he's like, oh, ain't that a thing. Guess I gotta kill him. Oops. So this whole aria is about him wanting to kill him and that he's just gonna be real calm and let the vengeance take over. For me, the best part of this is towards the end where he says, triumph, triumph, or triumph, triumph. Victory is mine. And then there's this murmuring from the guards. And I can just imagine in Pizarro's mind that he's just like, <laughs> In his final hours, he will feel the steel deep in his wound as I shout, triumph, triumph, victory is mine. All right, now let's get to some things that are a little more joyful, other than death and vengeance. The three arias I have for you are Figaro's entrance aria in the Barber of Seville, Largo al Factotum della Città, Tonio's aria from La Fia du Regiment, which is a real barn burner and a crowd pleaser, and last but not least, Je veux vivre which is Juliet's aria in Gounod's rendition of Romeo and Juliet. Going back to what I said earlier about Rossini getting all of the hard stuff out of the way at the beginning, this is one of the hardest entrance arias for baritone. It also happens to be a lot of fun to sing. It's a real crowd pleaser. And it has music that you have heard lots of other places. And in, in this aria, Figaro's basically telling what it's like to be a barber and kind of be the everything in Seville. And there's a lot of fireworks, there's a lot of fun, and it has the moments that you know, like we've all heard Figaro, 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 Figaro. But my favorite part of this is the almost rapping at the end that a lot of singers will do. And then it ends on a great high note. This is the great Cheryl Milnes with his rendition of Largo al Factotum de la Città.
This next aria is a textbook situation of where you're so in love with someone that it will make you do stupid things. Or at least things that are out of character. Antonio, who's a country bumpkin, as some would say, or basically a village idiot. Okay, let's be more specific. He's a young person from the Tyrolean countryside. He is in love with Marie. But Marie is in the army, and she's the sergeant's daughter. And the only way that he's going to be able to have more time with Marie is to join the army. You can see how this is just on its face, a disaster waiting to happen. But he is showing how much he loves her and doing it not only through joining the army, but through a great aria. And Lawrence Brownlee, one of the greatest tenors, especially in bel canto and Rossini specifically repertoire, he nails all those high C's. And lastly, Je veux vivre from Gounod's Romeo et Juliet. In this scene, Juliet speaks her truth and honestly reflects a lot of what modern women think, and that is that they don't want to be tied down in a relationship that's not fulfilling and satisfying. She wants to live. She wants to live a life that's exhilarating, that's full of passion, and she guards that ability like it's a treasure. She wants to be youthful and have all these exciting things in her relationship. She's not just going to settle. Instead of being, poetically speaking, in a sad, cold, morose winter, i.e. a relationship that's terrible, but hey, at least you're still in it and you have longevity. This is often called Juliet's Waltz because it's a waltz. I know you're shocked. But it's very bubbly, very full of the things that she's talking about, right? Excitement, exhilaration. And it is kind of an operatic treasure, if I do say so myself. This rendition is from Aida Garifulina. And I feel her voice has the right mix of vivaciousness while also having a warm and inviting color.
And now it's time to get more people involved. Cause hey, we know that there are group fitness classes out there. Well, here's some people who can help you and your group have more fun and burn more calories. First, we have the men's number from Lehar's Merry Widow, which is the women, 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 women piece. Second is the Sailor's Homecoming from the Flying Dutchman by Wagner. And the last one, I'm going to break from the opera tradition, but this is always sung by opera and classical singers, and that is the choral section of Beethoven's Ninth Symphony. Since the beginning of time, and when men and women started getting into relationships with each other, there's always been bitching and trying to figure the other one out. And in this scene, the men in Lehar's Merry Widow are complaining about how they can't figure out how to keep their women in check, how to understand them, how to be better, how to get what they want without also being a douche. And at the end of the day, they're just like, women, 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 women. Every man has to know at the end of the day, it's always gonna be a war. All of the men in the show are on stage at this point. This scene is a bunch of men complaining, throwing out ideas, having a struggle sesh. And in the end, they often do the can-can. So it's a lot of fun, but also kind of sad. Next is the Sailor's Homecoming from the Flying Dutchman. This is a massive scene in Act 3. It starts off with this really triumphant music. It also has the whistling in there like the winds of the sea. The men come out and they're talking to the Steuermann. And they want the Steuermann to come and drink and laugh with them and celebrate. And he's just kind of like, uh, no. They try and try and try, doesn't work. Later, their women come out, and of course they haven't seen them for a while. And so there's a lot of interplay between everyone, both musically and obviously on stage. If you haven't been with your lover in a long time, there's gonna be interplay, if you know what I mean. Later, we have the Dutchman's crew show up, which the Dutchman is a ghost, actually, so these are ghosts. You'll hear how spooky the sound is and also how chaotic the scene is because the, the women have already left at this point or right as the, the crew shows up, they leave. And the, the sailors are hearing them. It's just driving them crazy. They're like, where is it? Do you hear them? And they're trying to fight back. Eventually, the, the Dutchman's crew takes over and all of the men leave. And the Dutchman's crew get the last laugh, literally, as the scene ends.
And finally, one of the greatest works ever created. And I think that's pretty true. Beethoven's Ninth Symphony is one of the most famous ones ever. When we finally get to the fourth movement, which there's a long, I guess you would consider it a prelude, we hear the beginning of the fourth movement, actually. And then it stops, and the baritone comes in and is like, hey friends, let's simmer down now. And eventually it goes, it's, it's this accompanied recitative, now this is different. This isn't really a scene in aria kind of thing um, because there's really only two arias. There's the baritone aria, which is the melody that everybody knows. And then there's a pretty cool tenor aria in the next section after that. Then the majority of the piece from there is bouncing back and forth between the orchestra, the full chorus, and the quartet of soloists. And it all ends very triumphantly, and it's really hard not to like this choral section of the symphony. So there you have it. That's my operatic workout playlist, or at least one small, honestly, section of it. And it's like I said in the very beginning, I love this playlist. I do have a regular one too, but I love this playlist because it's music that has a storyline that you can follow, because sometimes I have large sections of things so you can follow the storyline. It's really up-tempo, it's loud, and it's exciting. And if you're needing to keep your body amped and your general feeling of, yeah, get it, crush it, then that's the way to do it. I hope you enjoyed it and got some ideas for your playlist. While I know a lot of these things that I put in here are pretty standard, there are probably some that you may not have heard before. I hope you enjoyed them, and I hope that you add them to your repertoire of workout songs. Thanks for listening to this podcast episode. For more information about the podcast or for extras, check out our Patreon page, www.patreon.com slash opera unbound. Ciao.